Hey guys, before we get started with the episode, I just have two announcements to make. One, uh, I have the Jibs Journal is out now. I send a weekly journal uh, through email every single week that covers uh, episode highlights, tips and tricks that the entrepreneurs in the show have gone over, um, and just other cool things that are happening. If you're interested in being subscribed to that journal, uh, the link is in the description. The second announcement is I've released a course. Uh, so the course is how to crowdfund for your passion project or side hustle. Uh, I crowdfunded over $65,000 in less than 90 days um, through my organization called Research Detroit. Uh, and the, the class is going to cover you know, the nitty-gritty details on, on how I did that, how I delega- delegated the tasks with my team, the templates, the samples. Um, it goes into full detail on how to run an effective crowdfunding campaign. Um, so if you're interested in taking that course, the link is in the description as well. It's just about getting up and doing it and like, you know, finding the time, finding the people and making it happen. You take control and you say, okay, this needs to be done and you do it. And you're never ready to start a business. You <laughs> just either, you either do it or you don't. Welcome to the Jibs Podcast, showcasing Detroit's movers and shakers, bringing you stories that reveal the gusto and grit that's long defined the city and its people. Together, we'll uncover the history and direction of the Motor City, one voice at a time. This is the Jibs Podcast with Jabron Ahmed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the newest episode of the Jibs Podcast. I'm here with Paulina and Samantha of Playground Detroit. How are you guys? Great. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we're, we're in this beautiful space uh, with art all around us. So let's just get right into it. Can you guys tell me who you are and what Playground Detroit is? Sure. Yeah, um, I'm Paulina Petkowski. This is Samantha Sheffman, and we're the co-founders of Playground Detroit. Uh, Playground Detroit was co-founded in 2012. We are a art gallery and creative talent agency, so we work primarily with emerging Detroit-based artists and musicians and creative entrepreneurs to give them job opportunities and present their artwork. Um, we also work as a uh, cultural like media company, so we have an online magazine and um, our social media channels, so people you know, not just in Detroit follow what's going on here locally, but um, there's also a larger audience on kind of tapping into the pulse of what's happening in the city. Yeah. Um, can you kind of tell us about the exhibit we're surrounded by right now? Sure. This is, uh, these are paintings by Danny Sober, and he actually, like his background is in drawing and illustration, and after taking a hiatus for five years from painting, he jumped back in and made 13 new works in a 10-month period, and the whole theme around them is like summer and warmth, so that's what's really reflected in them. But these are really his first paintings that he's ever he's ever really made um, and they're oil and acrylic and they're just super playful and, mm-hmm. and play a lot into his own experience both with like digital and um, art history and different sorts of um, topics that you can really see reflected in every piece like everything's got a different storyline and yeah. hidden meanings and gestures and stuff it's really cool yeah it is really cool it's cool because it incorporates all these different styles at once it's like he deemed it kind of pluralistic so it's like kind of just like Instagram or the internet where you're looking at all these different things but they all come together in the same place yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very cool so it's a really modern concept too I'd say yeah I noticed that uh, but it's a traditional you know painting form well yeah. yeah the oil painting I'd say right which is the really detailed stuff you see like this bike rack or the hands behind you yeah, yeah. so 
I mean, you, you were talking about how you guys bring in emerging artists. Mm -hmm. So how do you find these artists? Um, a lot of them have been friends of ours for many years. And some of them um, have introduced us to other friends of theirs who they think are really um, deserve a platform to share their work on. You know, we get submissions almost daily. We find people through the internet. We're always looking. We go to the CCS student exhibition every year. We go to this, the Cranbrook Open Studios and student exhibitions every year. We're just constantly looking and constantly in communication with everybody in the creative community. And how do you determine who you're bringing into the space? Well, that's really, I mean, for starters, it's the look of the work. If we think that it's um, really forward thinking, really great craftsmanship, something that's just really exciting that would stand out internationally, that's very critical, of course, because, um, you know, that plays into just like sales and the strength of that artist. But even more critically, in a way, is that artist's dedication to their own practice, their willingness to put everything that it takes into becoming a full-time artist because that is the most difficult part. You know, our hope is that these artists do so well within the space and other commissions that we get them that they don't really have to have side jobs like being a barista or something. You know, we hope that their their side jobs are just more creatively focused. Yeah, and so uh, are most of your artists Detroit or Metro Detroit based? Yep, absolutely. So how do, yeah, I mean, in your experience, how do Detroit artists stand out among artists nationally and internationally? Well, I mean, that's, I don't know if it's like subjective or objective. I think it's, um, you know, I think that there's definitely some really incredible artists based here, especially coming out of, of Cranbrook's program or CCS's program. You know, there are a lot of um, artists here that already show internationally. And so I think it's just a smaller group of people. So I think you know, our talent is exceeding a lot of other cities because we have so much history in the arts and music. So I think the, the quantity is low, the quality is very high. And also just like the history here, I mean, there's been artists for a long time. We work primarily with emerging to mid-career artists. Um, but I think that you'll also find and hear from other artists that they have the time and the space to create here, which I think makes it a really good place to be an artist and develop your craft as opposed to um, trying to be in other cities like New York or LA that have art markets, mm -hmm. but they have really high cost of rent, they have small spaces, and there's not such a sense of community. So here you have a lot of artist collectives, you have other artists supporting other artists and you know doing like DIY gallery spaces or artist studios where they hold their own events and um, there's a really sense of camaraderie as opposed to like intense competition because the stakes are so high um, that you find in other cities. Right. Looking back at the past you know a couple of years the artists that you've had in the space can you think of an artist that you know came in the space and then when they left uh, they started getting you know, phone calls or people reaching out to them. Sure, I think every single artist that has shown with us their career has excelled. Um, I think it's also because we tend to work with them in really good timing where they finished a really, really strong body of work and they're ready to explode and share that with the whole universe, right? Mm -hmm. So they hit the, they're, I mean, they're also very business-minded or at least we can, we can, help them with steps to become more business-minded so they know how to utilize social media or just other ways of sharing their work um, so I think that there hasn't been a single example of artists 
that have shown with us who haven't grown immensely after or during that time. I mean, but, but to be specific, there's two that I can think of right now. Sure. Like Wheezy, um, we gave her her first solo exhibit in Detroit. And that was before we had the gallery. We did a pop-up at the Will Leather Goods. It's the Jonathan Adler gallery space. And she really, she came to us and she was like, I really want to have a show. Which is great because, you know, she does a lot of mural work. Um, so that was particularly unique. And that was a couple years ago. I think that was in, I don't know, it was maybe 2015 or 16. I don't know. I mean, no, no, it must I have been 16. I don't know. Yeah. Idea. And, um, and then the first solo exhibition that we did in the gallery space was with Nick Notion. Yeah. And I think that was a really incredible exhibit because um, he had also just created a strong body of work that was pretty different and kind of evolved from some of the other stuff he's done. Mm -hmm. And then from that exhibition, um, we Which sold was his first true gallery exhibition. He had yeah. done a lot of his own, produced his own exhibitions. Right. Um, but then the uh, Kobo. We sold two of his largest pieces in the show to Kobo Center's permanent collection. Wow. So now they're on view. And he's only the second of two emerging artists that they've collected and they've had their collection since the 1950s. So, I mean, now his work is on view to the public to like millions of people every year. Yeah, yeah. like the, the, what is the train called? <laughs> the people mover. The people mover, yeah. it stops and the doors open and you exit right in front of them, I mean, right? it's on the same level, so you're oh, walking oh, yeah, literally past them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those are two really, you know, great examples, but we've worked with so many artists, it's really hard to just pinpoint it. I mean, even Danny's exhibit, um, has been incredibly well received and it just opened two days ago. We yeah. had people begging to see the, the artworks list before the show opened. Yeah. So it just really depends on each artist individually um, and we just try to work with them to support whatever their goal is or whatever their vision is. So before we move into you know your journey as Playground Detroit, uh, let's say there is an artist watching right now or an artist listening. Like what kind of advice can you give them if they're emerging in the city uh, or they're uh, discouraged because you know maybe the money in the beginning is not that good or uh, there's just different pressures on them? What kind of advice can you give them? I mean, first of all, just be conscious of how you interact with the people around you because um, you never know who's a collector, you never know who is a curator, you never know who has a gallery space, and so you want to be presenting yourself professionally um, and seriously, you know, when you're going out and you're going to other gallery events or you're putting yourself out there. Um, the other part of that would be social media, you know, making sure your website's updated, having your portfolio current, um, good images, and, images. and you know, really Instagram, um, you know, just do, do it yourself as much as you can and then know when to ask for help. Uh, I think it's really important to just um, be self-aware and approach people in a way that you'd want to be approached. You know, so if you are interested in doing an exhibition, um, putting together an exhibit proposal and sending that over via email. We take online submissions through our website, but it's also about the right fit for the gallery. I mean, there's there are other galleries in the city, and some of them are just catered to different audiences or different mediums. And so, you know, doing the research on your own before you start making like moves, I think is super important because that tells the person who you're communicating with your you know, goals that you've already thought about stuff. 
um, because sometimes you know we're happy to take a studio visit with somebody um, if we're interested and there's work to be seen but sometimes the timing is just not right and you have to understand that you know it's either not your time for a solo show or maybe we're thinking of a group show that your work fits perfectly in but that's not necessarily um, something that the artist has control over so you know you just really have to be um, professional as, as an artist, as a working artist, it's incredibly important. And proactive. Right, right. I think that's good advice. Uh, so. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So you guys started in 2012. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So why did Playground Detroit become a thing? And how did you guys meet? What's your background? Uh, well, we had met in high school, but I reached out to Paulina when I moved to New York. We had only sort of known each other. I'd been like in a photo class together in high school. Um, so I reached out and uh, within, I'd say, like six months to a year, she had been back in Detroit for a little bit and came up with a concept for a festival, which I'll let her... Yeah, Playground Detroit was a response to a lot of the negativity that people had in New York um, because of the bankruptcy and the mass media just talking about how terrible and terrifying Detroit was. And I knew otherwise, I grew up here and I moved to New York for college and my career in the fashion design industry. And I was just sick of it, you know? And I was like, I don't wanna tell you about Detroit. I wanna show you what Detroit's like. And so the original idea was like a weekend festival and it was bringing out Detroit musicians, Detroit artists, um, just kind of making like a really interesting, which is like very indicative of how Detroit parties have always been, you know, yeah. it, it just, it's a combination of both. It's never just one or the other, which I think you find in cities that are very isolated and they have like music venues and they have art galleries here. You just have an empty space and somebody throws together something and it's like a mix of all of that. Mm -hmm. So it, the idea was to kind of bring that to New York and show people there you know, some of the cool, inspiring, talented, creative people that were doing things here that would totally, you know, go against what was happening in Brooklyn at the time. Um, but what ended up happening after putting on pop-ups of screenings, exhibitions, concerts, and so forth, one thing that we realized that the artists here really needed help on the ground and support right. and, and guidance on the ground. So um, that was one of the reasons why we decided to move back. And another was that the overhead would be too high if we wanted to open up a space of our own, which was becoming something that was a really important goal for us because it can be so difficult just to be using different people's spaces. Like, first of all, the costs are usually higher, you have to follow their rules and so forth. So, um, that was really kind of like the impetus for us to move back here and open up a space in Detroit. And then really, I moved back in 2014 um, after things in the fashion industry had shifted around and I just made the long-term decision to build a business and not be at the whim of other industry pressures that you know could change rapidly. And so I moved back here and um, Samantha moved back here and then we started doing events in an Airbnb space that we were managing. It was a 6,000 square foot loft in Corktown. Mm -hmm. And one of the bedrooms became available and Samantha was like, this is, let's Yeah, this is our moment it. to create the proof of concept. So we turned a bedroom into an art gallery and yeah. we started doing solo exhibitions there. And the first one we had... It wasn't maybe, that many people. I mean, we, maybe a hundred, but by the... But the last exhibit of ours was Patrick Ethan. Again, that was his first solo show. Right. He had never exhibited his light-based work before. And like, not exaggerating, there was 400 people in the wow. space. It was incredible. So um, 
that was when we were like, okay, this there's something here where we, we had started um, taking business courses and had really laid the groundwork for the structure of a proper business instead of just a passion project. So that's when we started looking for a building that we could move into and renovate. Is this the first building you guys were in? Yeah, this, this is, the is first our first time. permanent home. Yeah, first okay. brick and mortar. So you came from the Airbnb space no, here? No, we had a few iterations in between. One of them was at Pony Ride, which really was just an office space and an artist residency program, which um, connected a local-based artist with an international or national-based artist. So we did a couple versions of that. And, and we turned and their loading yeah, dock into a yeah, gallery. Exactly. So we have a history of turning things into, into gallery yeah. spaces. But that was fun. And then we did pop-ups like a Detroit is the New Black and yeah. um, windows over David Klein Gallery. Um, as she mentioned, we leather goods. So we just didn't stop. But we had this going on the back burner in yeah. the meantime. So it's been, what, like five years? Or wait, six, six years, yeah. right? So yeah. in these six years, uh, I mean, you started in 2012 when a lot of the investment down here was just getting just started, getting started yeah. barely. So how did you come to a space and what kind of response did you get from your friends and family of starting a space in Detroit? Oh, I mean, my parents almost like through a fit. They were like, yeah. you're not moving that's crazy. That's yeah. insane. The city's not ready. Don't do it. Just stay in New York. You have a real job there. And I yeah. told them that, that like this was the second or third time that I think that they had had questioned my risky career moves. Like another uh -huh. time I had left the jewelry industry to go work at a gallery in Chelsea in New York where I was being paid much less money and I was working like twice as many hours a week which like it, I had a full-time job but right. that gallery thing was insane so and my mom was a gallerist as well so they knew what I was getting myself into and they're like that is nuts what are you like what are you thinking right. <laughs> so um, now they they'll probably never question a move again but they my father teaches at CCS and eventually um, I'd say like a year or two after I moved back, which was in 2015, David Klein Gallery moved his gallery into right. a second location downtown here. So I think we were just ahead of the curve and we knew from our experience in Brooklyn, seeing the way um, that city evolved based on industry and economy, we were seeing a lot of the same sort of things happen, especially like with the, we knew the buzz that was happening around Detroit. So, well, I think intuitively as a, as a designer, you know, you're, you're always thinking ahead. You're always looking at trends and seeing what's going on and putting those pieces together culturally. So that really informs, you know, my decision to make a long-term shift instead of being in the rat race in New York, having a teeny apartment, working full time, had no place for me to make my creative work, no family there. And my friends started to move into other neighborhoods, rents kept going up. And I'm looking at it where I'm like at the end of my twenties and I'm like, what do I have? Nothing, you know? And, um, and then thinking back into taking control of your career yourself and becoming an entrepreneur. My father is an entrepreneur. He's um, a master architect and he had, he had his, he had his firm in downtown Detroit in the nineties and he was pushing for loft living in the nineties when People looked at him like he was crazy, um, but I think it's about just being ahead of those trends and following your intuition. And so coming back here was really a sustainable choice, like long term. It was like about long term establishing roots, setting up what used to be like a satellite, like we were Detroit satellite in New York, but really it's like here, moving back here and 
like launching a business, creating economic impact in the city itself, trying to merge um, this like outer metro Detroit area and trying to bring them along with the rest of the world into Detroit and say like, look at what's here, support what's here. Um, and building a foundation that, you know, not only can we start a business and grow the business, um, but inspire other people to hopefully think that, okay, well, they did it. Um, I don't have a background in business and and it's possible. And it's possible because of the unique circumstances that the city offers. And it was just really, you know, if it doesn't work out, we can move back to New York and I can get a job. Yeah. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, like I didn't move back to Detroit to get a job. It was to create jobs for other people and build something, you know, for the community. Um, If we wanted to just take the easy road, we wouldn't be here. Right. So it was a conscious decision. So you talk about some of the pushback from your parents, Uh, but let's talk (laughs) about first. Right. Let's talk about like professional feet or uh, pushback. So, what kind of responses you get from people in the city, uh, like other business owners or people that have been here for a while? We've been so supported. Oh yeah, we've been I so think supported, thrilled, and we we're kind of in a, a niche um, part of the industry because we are specifically working with local based artists. And I think pretty much everyone, even you know people that work in other fields, have recognized um, how important that is. So, um, and we create a different energy. A lot of galleries can feel a little stuffy or intimidating when you go into them. And everything about playground is playful. Like there's definitely a high energy. There's always music when people come in. Um, and like, it's just created a really good energy f- for both the youth in the creative community and then like adults and collectors um, who like are interested in supporting or just experiencing something fun and fresh and even for that matter for like in terms of other businesses we've oh. collaborated you right. know like yeah. i said Lulu will will leather well will yeah. leather goods open their doors to us lululemon when um they moved downtown they asked us to uh, curate a bunch of artwork in their space um we've worked with them multiple times on other other locations that they've opened up um, you know, like Detroit is the new black. We have a great relationship with them, and we've hosted multiple exhibitions there. Um, we still do the windows at David Klein Gallery. Um, there's a lot of collaboration between oh, yeah. us and other businesses. Even Depop is the interior design firm that helped us build out the space, mm-hmm. and now they hire us for some of their clients. Like right. even a, a firm in Brooklyn, we did uh, one of our artists, Dustin Cook, did a custom clock, like a grandfather clock. He painted that and shipped it out to them. So now. People that we had hired are now hiring us, right. and so it's uh, it's actually really uh, really great. It also creates a good platform for other companies, especially like in the booze industry. Right. So like we have a um, an ongoing relationship with um, what's the Easter Market Brewery, brewery mm-hmm. yeah, um, and we used to have a. We used to use our vodka for a lot of our events. We've worked with um, two James. Was that our opening? We, I mean, yeah, basically, I mean, you know drinks and um, yeah. and that kind of stuff is always a good component. And but also um, even just supporting the other creative um, spaces in the city, people find us online when they're visiting. So we are not only like encouraging tourism, but we're sharing information with these tourists. We're not like keeping secrets about who else is in the neighborhood. We're sharing. It's like Wasserman Projects is, you know, right yeah. down the street. Yeah, Red, Bull, Red Bull's right down the street. Um, like if you found Heidelberg out. Heidelberg Project, so, you know, right. they've been, Heidelberg 
project has obviously been in the neighborhood for about you know three decades at least more. And um, when we moved into the neighborhood, we started going to the community uh, meetings for the area and have been working with our executive director. She's super supportive of us. We help promote their uh, Detroit Live like festival that they've done um, in the summertime. And um, so there's definitely connectivity and support, even for other people that are in the same space as us. Yeah. So you, you guys talked about you know moving from not just passion project and moving into a business fully operating so what kind of advice would you give people that are aspiring to start their own businesses in Detroit well I think in general whether you're in Detroit or not um, think about what you want to be doing on a day-to-day -day basis it was super important in terms of taking this from a passion project to a business is actually like if you're creating your own business then you know what do you want to be doing and making sure that the hard work that you're getting into is something that you want to do every single day. Um, and even when you don't want to do it, you still have to do it. Yeah. But I think more specifically in Detroit, you know, you have to be aware of like, what are the needs? What's the need of the community, of residents, of whatever industry you're trying to serve and fill that need? Because, you know, I think Detroit's so creative because it's like a problem solution based system, you know, where the government and other entities have not been there for the city and the residents itself. It's like local entrepreneurs or, you know, other people or even just residents in their own neighborhoods that are like, okay, like people keep dumping trash here. We're going to do a community pickup day. Done. Next. You know, so it's like you've got to really figure out like what's not here already and how can you contribute um, in a positive way and, and just be conscious of who's already here. Um, and do your research, you know. You, you There's so many resources here for grants, for business programs. I mean, like, that aren't even necessarily associated with the college, but other organizations like Michigan Women's Foundation. Mm -hmm. So um, I think just kind of researching and maybe even getting like an advisor, a mentor to help you along the way because having the right team behind you, like there's a lot of people working with us and nobody ever meets, nobody ever sees, but we couldn't function without them. We have like a great lawyer, a great bookkeeper, a great accountant, you know, just really important advisors and mentors and people that work for us that have helped us with every step of the way. We really couldn't be there without the great team that we have. I mean, even just like you said, like BizGrid, you know, specifically is a great resource and that compiles all of the things she just mentioned into one thing so you can find exactly what you need at what stage you're at. Um, there's just so many things. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about how you guys work. So it's, I can imagine you guys are buzzing around all the time. Your heads are a million miles a second. So how do you like keep yourself organized? Uh, efficient uh, in everyday work? I think our process has evolved. Um, we both really have different responsibilities. I mean, for me, I kind of manage the business as a whole, like on the aspect of the bookkeeping, accounting, um, website, you know, digital advertising, and um, a lot of the events that happen in the space. Samantha's really hands-on curatorially. She does all the installs, she handles the artwork, she does a lot more um, work directly with the artists and also establishing collectors and um, you know client relations. So in terms of that, like we basically just have our responsibilities that don't necessarily compete, but they um, you know sometimes overlap and um, you know, we have to work back and forth. You know, she'll start here, I'll start here, we'll end up here um, in a lot of different ways. Uh, but overall, I mean, it's just like 
self-discipline oh, using yeah. Google. Google Calendar yeah. is yeah. king. And if we didn't have our calendar, just because it's I mean, easiest for, for us to share. Files. Yeah, so so we use a lot of cloud-based uh, systems and just having our. Um, I mean, it's a lot of app. It's cool because it's a lot of app-based things. It's, right, it's like G Suite, archiving systems, uh, Google. As an app. So yeah, we're just getting into all that too. It's really, it's really just being self. Time, time management is super important. Uh, That's making the sure. hardest. <laughs> Depend on a lot of twelve-hour days as an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It just well, I think the thing that I've spoken about recently with some people is it, it just doesn't stop. You don't have the satisfaction right. of like putting in a hard day at work. Getting in your car, going home, and being and like, not whatever, think about it. you know, and you just, you don't turn off, you right. don't turn off. So it's actually more so not about like, how do you work? For me, the conversation has actually switched over. It's like, how do I find time to not work? And being conscious about separating those. So if I'm, you know, I don't know, at my, my family's house that I'm not on my phone, I'm not checking email, I'm not doing social media because technically I could, and I probably should be. Um, or just defining, you know, a day of the week where it's like Sundays, you know, we, we try not to really um, focus on work. I mean, we, if we have to, we, we do and we will. But, yeah. but I think that's more important, actually, than the work is, is taking a break for yourself and taking, taking care, care of yourself. yourself. Like Self-exercise, yeah. eating right. You just have to have basic, a healthy body basic stuff so that nobody <laughs> tells you. Yeah. Like, but I think a lot of people, especially in America, just don't consider those things. Yeah. Don't really do those things. But that really affects your day-to-day functionability. I don't know if that's a good word. But, um, yeah, because that will affect your energy. That affects how you're mentally able to um, process everything. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so in the next year, five years, ten years, what are you hoping for for Playground? Um, one of the things that has always been a really big goal for us, I mean, first of all, you know, when you talk about building a business and, and you want to um, create assets for the company, we don't currently own our space. We'd love to, to have a really big warehouse space. You know, when we were starting, we had to make a decision about whether or not we were for-profit or non-profit. And part of the reason why we chose for-profit is, first of all, because um, we wanted to make it clear the value of the artist's work every day. This is not um, a charity, as Paulina says all the time. Um, secondly, we didn't want like too many chefs in the kitchen like delegating how the business should, should be structured and run when it was in its um, infancy stages. Um, but we think that that will be a critical component in the future um, in terms of like having an artist residency program again, building a permanent collection of our own. Um, that the gallery, you know, is collecting from each exhibit, and then we had, like, if we had a warehouse, I'd imagine being offices, a gallery space, or like a museum area, and then a residency space. So that's like more of a the longest term goal. I'd say um, our shorter term goals are really just kind of leveling out with what we've already built, and kind of catching up with ourselves, and just having a really, really, really clean system and rhythm. You know. We're just starting our archiving system. We're just starting to be able to build. Um. Uh, so, question I like to end on is what to you makes Detroit so special? Mm. I, I mean, community is like, I think that's the word we've used the most. That was the title of our opening exhibition. Um, as we mentioned in New York, I think what happened when the prices of um, like housing and studio 
increased so much, people were pushed away from each other. And so it was harder for them to support one another and communicate with each other. Um, and also it's like very much each man for himself out there because there are so many artists and there are so many galleries, it's like extra competitive. In Detroit we were still lacking so much retail, so much industry, so much of an audience and market for artists that um, people are more supportive of each other. There's definitely more of like a Midwest vibe where people are saying hello and asking who you are and they really care and they want to see the whole city grow. So that, for me, emotionally especially, is what keeps us here and was like so um, inspiring and exciting to me as we got deeper and deeper into it because I didn't necessarily expect that because we had lived in New York for so long. Um, and then the other side of it is just the history that Detroit has in arts and music. It's really um, the longevity of that, I think, has made it continually just like cool and creative or a lot of other cities that are maybe coming up even like Cincinnati they don't really have a history in arts and music as, as Detroit does so I think that's what um, makes it very special here I agree with all of that the only thing I would add for me is just the uniqueness of being here at this place in time I think like every city or every movement even when I was younger that I was really interested it was like Hey Ashbury in the 60s or New York in the 80s and I was like I'm never gonna like have a thing like that like I want to be a part of something that felt important you know culturally um, and, and I truly feel like that time is now and I you know like I said my dad was here in the early 90s I've you know grew up in Detroit and to see the city where it was you know 10 15 20 years ago to um, like when I moved back here you know just less than five years ago that transformation is happening right in front of your eyes and that's really interesting because really a lot of cities don't find that they're experiencing change at that rate and even such a rapid transition like all these things happening are opening and um, you know being torn down buildings you know it's like history is being written right in front of us and it's not just being written, it's like we're being a part, we are a part of that. I think that's incredibly interesting and unique to the city, um, which is why I love, I love doing that. Even just like, because I work in fashion too, I've done photo shoots around the city um, and some of these sites, like they don't exist anymore. And I think that's super interesting to just be, you know, experiencing things that people in the future are not going to. Um, and then be a part of trying to figure out like, well, what's next, you know, what's coming and, um, and having a voice in the conversation. I've, you know, recently been asked to be on the Kobo Art Steering Committee. Um, you know, we're, we're on another committee that's representing like creative uh, economy and infrastructure in the city. Um, and that to me is like where I'm most interested in um, participating because that's impact and that's making sure that at least if there are not artists at the table, that there are people, you know, like ourselves that are representing those voices at the table when it comes to development and public arts and design thinking in general, um, just having someone creative to, to be recognized in all of this tech space and real estate and food and, you know, just all of it, it's infrastructure. Um, you need to be conscious of how do arts and culture play into that 
um, considering we don't have an arts council right now as a city. I mean, we're a national public city and mm. it just blows my mind. So there's a lot of work to be done, but I'm glad that we're here for that and that we're being um, you know, asked to participate in that way. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> answer. Uh, for people listening or watching, how can they find you guys if they want to connect? At Play Detroit, PlaygroundDetroit.com. Um, we're on pretty much every social media channel and have a Vimeo page which with um, uh, like retrospect like all of the exhibitions we've had pretty much have video documentation so you can get an entire feel for a lot of the work that we've done. Yeah, cool. Well, Sam, Paulina, I appreciate you guys being on the show. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. We're Absolutely. super excited. We love your work. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and until next time, guys, stay tuned. <laughs> cool. Thanks, guys. <laughs>